Okay, welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. Uh, today we're talking about episode nine, different but same. Um, Lutha, does this all feel familiar to you in some way? Yes, this is an incredible sense of deja vu coming over me. Because, listeners, in the interest of full disclosure, we actually recorded this episode last week, but uh, the audio turned out rather garbled, so we're doing it again. Uh you know, I, I feel like we, we owe a little bit more detail than that. I want to set the scene. All right, set okay. the scene. Do it. It was one week ago, guys. We were excited. We had cores. We had snake gummy worms. We did. We were celebrating the last two episodes. Which we recorded back to back on that very day while enjoying our delicious ice cold cores. Would you say it was a warm day, Lotha? I would say it was a very warm day. Okay. Okay. This will all become relevant because what happened next, you'll never believe. The fan got turned on. It's true. It's true. We'd never done it before, but I felt like, you know, it's our last day. We're right, recording our last two episodes of the season. We deserve a little air circulation in this room. Before we didn't. We suffered. We punished ourselves. Right. But now that we had become full-fledged Cobra Kais and shed our loser skin, we thought, fan. We deserve the fan. Yeah, but see, all that fresh air comes at a cost. The uh, audio for both of those episodes, episodes 9 and 10, was so garbled by the fan noise drowning our pithy commentary out that we're back again, re-recording those episodes. It's Groundhog Day, but this time we don't have any cores. I mean, we do have cores if you want a cores. Oh god, I don't want any more cores. It is a nasty beer. I it's mean, not okay, a it's... nasty beer. It's just, it's, it's like beer flavored water. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally think it's refreshing. You know, yesterday at Trader Joe's, I saw somebody with a Coors Light t-shirt. Really? Yeah. So it's not just Johnny that is nostalgic about this beer. And now that I finally tasted it, I gotta say. You're confused? I am very confused at the popularity it's actually one of those things that makes me doubt Johnny's alcoholism. Also, it was a Coors Light t-shirt. That's weird. That That's is really specific. That's like having a Coke Zero shirt. Right? It's like, what, Why? what are you about, man? What do you stand for? <laughs> yeah, and like when you look at Johnny like drinking Coors after Coors, and like now that you've experienced Coors for yourself, you realize you can't be that drunk. Like, Coors after Coors. It would take like six time. Coors to make you like a little tipsy, I would yeah. think, you know? yeah. I wish we had some cores right now. I mean, we could. Um, maybe we will for the 10th episode. Okay, good. Because okay. I've got like six cans of cores that need using up. And I have no if other If you were occasion. really, Johnny, that would be empty by now. I mean, I'm thinking about it, seriously. Listeners, once I realized that our audio was ruined, I had a moment where I thought about shotgunning six cans of cores. Lotha was spinning out, guys. Lest you doubt the dedication she has to this podcast. I had Many a stream about it. Many guilty texts were sent. Um, so anyway, we're a week late, but that's why. We want you to know how the sausage is made. Right. We don't hide anything from you guys. Yeah. Unlike, say, one Robbie Keane, we are upfront about who we are and oh, what we've done. Oh, shit. Yeah. The episode, I guess, we, you know what? Who knows how we did it last time? I don't, my memories don't stretch back that far. Maybe we should start off, well, one, we have to do the IMDB synopsis, but we can start with Robbie. Yeah, because Robbie is often neglected, would you say? Yeah, and he yeah. actually starts off this episode, so no, that's good. But first, first, yes, yes, okay. Summary. So the IMDb synopsis: Louis's reckless action forces Johnny and Daniel to go down memory lane. The Cobra Kai students plot revenge against the popular kids, 
and Miguel grows impatient with Samantha. So much left unspoken in that synopsis, <laughs> as always. As always. Um, yes, so actually the episode opens with Robbie in a skating park. We didn't even mention this when he first recorded the episode, but... That's how forgettable he is. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, this is this is the episode that we've now seen three times, so <laughs> I hope you remember this. Okay, so now that I've seen it three times, I think the reason they included the scene where he's skating and the skating sequence ends with him doing uh, a handstand. One, On one hand, yeah. Yes. So it's like he's integrating his karate moves into like his daily activities. And I will say now, and you can, listeners, you can only appreciate this when you've seen this episode three times in close proximity to in each viewing. But now I realize, of course, that him doing the one-handed handstand is sort of a, it, it's a prelude to a move that he does in the next episode. Yes. A one-handed, two-legged kick. So, actually, this isn't just gratuitous Robbie skateboard shots. Yeah, and when I had seen it previously, I was like, well, like, every time he's on screen, I'm like, why are you on screen? Why are you... (laughs) Why are you here? Why are you distracting us from Miguel and Johnny's story? (laughs) (laughs) Which is unfair. Um, Also, the 90s thing I had remarked, uh, skating was, like, a thing that I associate with the 90s. And I don't really see any of the other teens doing. I did not know kids skateboarded anymore. I, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I occasionally see a youth do it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, occasionally, but yeah. it seems like Robbie takes it pretty seriously, and uh, I, I just think that is a throwback thing. It's kind of strange. Yeah, it's weird. He does seem younger now that he's not hanging out with his 40-something-year-old friends. <laughs> yeah, now that he's <laughs> They got... never would skateboard because, you know, it threw out their back and they couldn't handle it. <laughs> but now Robbie, since we're talking about his story first... He's got an age-appropriate com- companion now. I mean, sort of. He's still hanging out around with Mr. LaRusso. No, he but... is hanging out at the LaRusso household a lot. I think we did mention this, but uh, he's over there, I would say, when he shows up uh, and he wants to train with uh, Daniel. By the way, it's like the middle of the day, or it's like 5 o'clock. It feels like it's the middle of the day. He comes over in like the middle of the episode to, the, to Casa LaRusso. Um, Daniel's wife says he's not home, but he can come in anyways. And I'm just like, wait, why are you coming over, like, without even checking if Mr. LaRusso is home? Also, weren't you at the dealership all day? Wouldn't you know? I am positive he knows Daniel's schedule. Right? It's just so, it's just kind of like, are you just always here? Why are you here? But no, I mean, Mrs. LaRusso lets him right in and, you know... He sees Sam and starts, like, sniffing around. As I said, now he has an age-appropriate friend, I guess. That's great. I feel like they retconned us a little bit because they didn't really seem that interested in Sam when in the first Oh, what? Episode. They totally did. Uh, he saw her in, like, a bathing suit and was so just So what? She smitten. happened to be in... Was he smitten? I thought he was smitten. Uh, I don't know if his acting range covers smitten. Oh. I think he only has... Uh, karate? The gloves or? come off, but yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, I he thought was he was hair acting. I think his hair looked a little interested. Yes, yeah, his hair was very smitten. Didn't you see? <laughs> I yeah. So now I think they're just they're telling us he's interested because he, you know, in predictable Robbie, he goes back to his in, er, original sketchy ways and he pretends like he has some sort of limp 
well, or, like sprained leg. And Rob, to Robbie's defense, um, Samantha in this particular episode is grounded for most of the day. Desperately wants to get out of the house, and so he decides that he'll fake a leg injury so that Mrs. Larusso will ask Samantha to drive him home. And then as soon as they walk out of the house, oh, legs all better. Where are we going, Sam? Where do you want to go? That's true. Should we talk about why Sam is grounded? Yeah. We yes. Gotta, and for that, we should also mention another of the early scenes of the episode, which is. Daniel's making a cup of espresso, living the good life, and then he looks out into the courtyard of his beautiful house, and there stands Johnny Lawrence, furious. Yeah. Um, so wait, are we still... I mean, I think this all leads <laughs> into why Samantha is grounded, doesn't it? Yes. Because okay. we finally get the showdown that we, that, you know, everybody's kind of been waiting for this. Yeah. And they're, it looks like they're about to throw down out in the courtyard um, until Amanda steps in, which, you know, yeah, pretty good. fresh off of Louis LaRusso's fuck up of burning Johnny's prized firebird to the ground. Um, and Louis, then by the way, is not present in this episode at all. Louis, by the um, way, never comes back. This fine. That was Louis' yeah. swan song that last episode. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to like set something on fire and then like be like, mm, okay, I'm, I'm not done. in the show I'm anymore. Done. Bye, guys. <laughs> Where was he living? Was he living with the Larussos? I mean, I can't imagine a man like know. that has has accommodations. Yeah, like he's basically a liability for the Larussos. But I felt like he's he's probably that relative they keep out in the pool house or something. Right. Yeah, because he kind of seems yeah. like a professional mooch. So yeah. I assume that he lived with them, but I guess not. Or if he he's been evicted as well as fired in the same day for uh, <laughs> setting someone's car on fire for really no good yeah. reason. Um, also, I will say every time that they pan over to uh, Daniel Larusso's house, they they always play classical music and they always have this like beautifully filmed breakfast montage. Oh, yeah. Um, and that is eventually, like, how Amanda diffuses the situation is with the offer of one of those beautiful breakfasts. Because she doesn't want any blood on the patio no, when they no. fight. What is going on? Dad's about to fight this guy. Amanda, just please go inside. This is between me and Sensei Lawrence. Yeah, you two seem to have this pretty well in hand. It's a normal Saturday afternoon, a couple of grown men about to kick each other into a pool. You know, as much as I would love to watch you and your childhood karate rival duke it out, I kind of don't want to get any blood on the patio. So what do you say we try to resolve this over some breakfast instead? Want to go inside? I could eat. And I think uh, when, when once they're at the breakfast table together, you know, things... Things calm down a little bit uh, because, of course, as Amanda, who's, you know, the voice of reason, and, and I got to say, pretty good at it, it's just like, if the guy needs a new car, we own a car dealership. Get him a goddamn new car. and Or an old car. Or, or any car. Or any car. He just needs a car. And then you guys can be, can be cool with each other. But, you know, also revealed at this breakfast is that the reason why Johnny's original car needed fixing up, you know, from the very first episode is because one Samantha LaRusso and her bitchy female friends were, like, driving around and got into a hit and run with him. So would you say LaRusso is kind of the cause of this fight I in mean, present day? The LaRusso family, yeah. I mean, sure, this feud has spanned decades. Of course. But in, in the here and now, would you say Daniel's clan started it? 
His clan, yeah, yes, like uh, like the Hatfield McCoys. Yeah, there's always somebody to blame, and it's the McCoys. I mean, it's Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Larusos definitely. Because uh, while Sam was not driving the car, as she she defends, like it's something that like it was a hit and run. They told nobody about it. It just comes to light now. Hence why she's grounded in this episode, which she acts like is a death sentence or something, which is <sighs> not endearing for the character. Um, I'm not sure what's endearing about Sam. Yeah, no, this is just kind of like, oh my god, you got into a hit and run? My parents would have, like, actually, fucking murdered me. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's actually very consistent with her character of, like, dodging reality and evading responsibility at every turn, right? Right. Like, she doesn't want to think that her f- shitty friends might be the cause of her dissolving friendship with Aisha. She doesn't want to think dating Kyler, like, Kyler might be a jerk. She just got, like... Terrible instincts. Yeah, and also just kind of... It's interesting. So you get into a hit and run and don't tell anybody about it. And then your parents find out and they ground you for one day, which just appears to be one day where you can't use your cell phone. And not just that, but Amanda was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you're grounded. Right, this is like the first time. She's ever been grounded. Right, and it's like, okay, so it's one day at home without internet. And like the entire time, it's just kind of like... I'm a prisoner here. I know. She's not being sent to the gulag. Like, right. I was actually just kind so of dramatic. like, oh my god, this is really not great for the character. I feel really just like somebody ground her for a couple of weeks. Somebody just beat her with a spoon, old immigrant style. My she wasn't planning on going to Yasmin's party anyway, so. Right. And um, that's the, uh, the third plot point, I guess, in this episode is that uh, the... Cobra Kai's are hanging out, you know, um, just jawing with each other. And Aisha sees on Twitter, Instagram, whatever social, whatever Snap, the kids use. Snapgram. Snap, Snapgram. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, on the old Snapgram that Yasmin is having a birthday party at the canyon, wherever that is. And also, a canyon somewhere. Right. And also that Yasmin like left like a mean comment on like a video of Aisha breaking bricks where, you know, she makes some, some crack about Aisha's weight. And Aisha's like, well... Fuck it, we'll get back at this girl. We will go to the canyon first and have a big Cobra Kai party there and kind of steal her thunder that which way. Which is a better plan than Hawk's plan, which was tattoo the word bitch on her face. Yeah. So we'll say, uh, actually, Dimitri's the one who kind of, like, talks Aisha off the ledge. and Dimitri and, like, is weirdly the yeah, voice of reason We've in called this him episode. incel, but I would say he's, like, 20% incel and Hawk is, like, 90% incel. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like... Rational ability, that's not a word, is it? Rationality in, in Dimitri in this episode. Because another plot twist or plot thread is that Miguel is getting increasingly um, worried that Sam won't introduce him to her family. And he's like all like paranoid about it. And he also, as you may recall in the previous episode, uh, gazed at a Russo family dinner through the window and saw Robbie eating with them and kind of yeah. smiling at Sam and of course like everybody in the show he's jumps the to only teenage boy in history that has ever angled for a dinner dinner invitation to his girlfriend's family right it's like Miguel get over it <laughs> God. and what Dimitri says to him is Sam has given you no reason not to trust her also you've been dating like three weeks also you've been dating like three weeks also like why do you want to meet her parents so badly my god the the LaRusso Panzutoro or whatever well I mean maybe he's heard what Daniel LaRusso puts on it's sushi every night guys (laughs) every goddamn night you miss it one day he's just gonna serve it again tomorrow Miguel you'll get there just wait the raw fish will come (laughs) but uh 
Yeah, so basically Dimitri is the voice of reason there. He's the voice of reason and also about not tattooing Yasmin's face in retaliation. And the Kais decide they're going to have a party in the canyon. Yeah, which another note on Dimitri. Uh, I just wanted to call out his 15-year plan to get a girlfriend. Um, I was just thinking he'd really be perfect for DC. Like, he's got that kind of political intern, like, rationality where he's like, first I'll... I'll intern for a senator for five years, then I'll crawl up the corporate ladder, and then right. soon I'll be president. We live in D.C., FYI podcast Oh listeners. no, we've revealed so much. We've said so much right now, but I, I'm, you know, we're getting all personal in this episode. Talk about our foibles. Now we're talking about our yeah, location. Yeah, about how we dare to turn a fan on. Right? Oh. But uh, the thing is, D.C. is a city where people do take career paths that involve eating a lot of shit for what seems like a small reward. That is Dimitri's plan to get a girlfriend. Yeah. Essentially... Get into a good college, get a good job, angle for some promotions, and then finally, finally have the confidence to ask a girl out. <laughs> good luck to you, Dimitri. Yes. By the yes. age of twenty-nine, you should have you, you should have at least built this a little. This is a town capital. full of awkward weirdos with <laughs> with strange ten-year plans. So who are we to judge? Yeah, really? exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so then all the teens go and buy all. Buy a bunch of snacks and, and a bunch of alcohol. Um, I want to know, I just because we've watched this episode an unusual number of times, I was able to appreciate some details that you, friends, may have missed. When Hawk buys beer, or he tries to buy beer, he, um, he like tries to small talk the guy at the bodega. He gets carded, um, and he actually does have a fake ID, though, that he reveals. So his name is Walter Hawkman. It's great. Yeah, that's that's. I love that kind of attention to detail. It's Walter. Good. Okay. Right. Yeah. He he always felt like a Walter on the inside. It's true. It's not even Eli something. No, no. It's it's just yeah. He's completely disavowed the Eli no. name. Um. So yeah, they get to the canyon, and Miguel is now turned up to twelve. Like he's so Miguel's been texting Sam constantly um, about this party and presumably just about his general angst about not meeting her family. I don't know. She's not answering because, recall, she's grounded. Her phone's been taken away from her. She's a prisoner in her own home. She's a prisoner in her own home. And meanwhile, Miguel is, like, spinning out. And I know we talked about this before, but, like, do the kids these days expect, like, instantaneous text responses or else you're dead? Like, that's... Yeah, I think he sent, like, nine or ten... I thought the thing is, don't double text. If you don't see in a response to one, assume they're not on their phone. Right? And just, what are you doing, man? Well, also, Miguel is noteworthy in the life, st- life milestones of Miguel's. He appears to have his first beer today, which is exciting for him. He does that face that you do when you drink a Coors, and it, it's it's funny. Um, yeah. But uh, it's less funny, I guess, like 12 beers in when he's all How like... How many beers do you think he had at this Oh, point? man, that kid, he had three beers. And he's three like, beers? Totally yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, so Miguel is... Well, I think what's interesting is that he's really haunted by Johnny's kind of recounting of the All Valley from the last episode, and mostly because he feels like uh, Johnny sees losing Allie as like when his life started to... And also that Johnny spin out. associates losing Allie with losing the tournament with Daniel LaRusso. And all promise for a brighter tomorrow, right? Like yeah. he just, he lost Allie, he lost the tournament, and he then lost he spent the 15 years, like, right? basically doing whatever. 
Yeah, and the, like the shadow of Allie looms long over over his life, and Miguel somehow kind of like internalized this to mean like be hyper vigilant because you're probably going to lose Sam at any moment. Um, and I wish you could tell you, dude. You're probably going to get dumped at some point in your life. Right. All relationships end in either dying or breaking up, right? Although Sam seems like the kind of person that would, like, let a relationship go way past its expiration date and just kind of, like, passively watch. She seems like somebody who would be like, oh, I've actually been seeing other people for the past eight years. You didn't know we were broken up? I just didn't really want to make a fuss about it. That's true. That is a classic Sam move. But, you know, it... It all culminates, of course, in the moment when uh, when Robbie busts Sam free from the prison of her home. Um, she wants to go to this party. And so they arrive together. Uh, they're scrambling down the canyon, so they, they kind of arrive hand in hand. Um, Mich- Miguel is, is drunk and just like, God, that kid is a good actor. It really. is. It is really like disturbing because actually initially earlier in the episode when he kind of asked Sam, like, what were you up to last night? I wrote down it was very much like a Lifetime original movie uh, about, like, a teen, like, an abusive teen boyfriend or something. Like, his entire stance and persona was, like, he was, like, a different person. Right. And that was before the Coors got involved. Oh, like, man, once the Coors were involved. Yeah, it was really kind of unnerving to watch right. that. It's actually quite unnerving, because you, you, you love this guy. You love this character. And, like, there's just, like... Something, like, in his eyes that's, like, really just, like... Activated. activated. Like the cobra has been activated. Right, like a weird cornered cobra or something. He sees them come down, and, like, he's filled with, like, this incoherent rage. You know, and, like, Sam's like, oh, so sorry, we're late. You know, and Robbie's like, oh, is this the boyfriend? Um, and he clearly recognizes Miguel, I think, from spying him from afar, hugging from when Robbie's he... father. God, um, it's complicated! I don't know why he would admit that, but okay. <laughs> But I, I think that he recognizes them because there's that spark in his eyes. But, like, um, you know, M- Miguel's immediately, like, lashing out, like, I was texting you all day. And she's like, my phone was taken away from me. And he's like, well, how convenient. And yeah, it's, it's a just... very poor lie, if that's it. Right. And it's just like, Miguel, Also, dude. if you were hiding a secret boyfriend, why would you bring him to a party that you know your boyfriend is going to be right. at? Right. And it's also like, Miguel, chill the fuck out. You seem like you're, like... A blowsy, like, 90-year-old socialite. Oh, how convenient. That, um, anyways. I feel like Robbie was like, oh my god, it's like you're my mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shit just got real Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyways, that, uh, that leads to uh, Miguel drunkenly shoving Robbie. Um, yeah. Sam getting in between them, and then Robbie trying to hit, sorry, Miguel trying to hit Robbie, and then accidentally hitting Sam, and that, and thus ended the Miguel and Sam relationship. Right, boys, that's a way to end a relationship. I mean, you may, he may have been able to get away with drunkenly hold, uh, having a tantrum, but really hard to come back For me, the killing blow would have been, don't text me, just stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, come on, dude, like, have some chill, nine texts, just... Assume she's in a car accident and relax. Have another beer. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was, like I said, I think it's like uh, Zolo is a very good actor. I really like. I really thought he sold Miguel as like having a very strange hissy fit on the beach. Um, it's rather unpleasant to watch because yeah. again, you're very vested in this very sweet kid, and it, it's just hard to like see him like that. And it feels a little out of nowhere. Uh, 
the change in his personality. Like, I don't know if it's because, like, Sam is his first girlfriend and, like, although he seems very stable and grounded in basically every other arena in his life. I actually did not mind this moment so much. I've I've told you that the uh, changes that Miguel goes through in the next episode seemed more out of character to me, but yeah. this was kind of like... He, his insecurity is like gnawing at him. It's building, it's building on top of itself. And then he's had a little bit of that fire whiskey and just, it all has combined to this one. Thor's light is now fire whiskey. Isn't it though? It's, it all combines into this one moment where like, like, like I said, there is no excuse for like trying to start random fights with people on the beach or like hitting your girlfriend, even if it is an accident. Like, look, he's being a total dick. I don't blame Sam from walking away. But, like, when you see this moment, you kind of think of, like, all the shameful moments in your life, you know? When you just, everything is combined to make you act in a way that you feel grossly ashamed of later. Yes, once I drunkenly hit Nina. Yeah, I'm just wondering who (laughs) Luck had drunkenly knocked out. Um, What I noticed on the third rewatch is that, (laughs) (laughs) wow, all these new, fresh, hot insights, guys. Uh, is that Sam and Miguel are both kind of like had seeds of like mistrust planted in them about the other side. So like Sam has been hearing about Cobra Kai being evil for like her entire life. Um, and all of that kind of like crystallizes when she sees Miguel kind of act out because he's an insecure teen boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like pins this on Cobra Kai, like right. being responsible. And, and similarly, Miguel is like, Miguel but like Miguel like immediately is triggered like uh by Sam talking innocently to a boy because he's thinking oh my god it's 1984 it's the all valley the LaRussos can't be trusted yeah Yeah, all of that yeah and it's so definitely they're they're both bringing like a lot of weird baggage to this relationship um mostly instilled by their by yeah you know Daniel and Johnny are you sad to see this relationship end so quickly you know I was. It was a little sad, just because, like, I think that you recall the good times, like, three weeks before, the when they were going they on had? their date at, at, at golf and stuff. It's one date, Lapa. <laughs> I, I think they were sweet together. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, you knew it couldn't last, because they're clearly the Romeo and Juliet of the karate world. Would you have broken up with Miguel? Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, yeah. once the, once, like, somebody's accidentally, like, hit you, it's a little bit, like, there's no coming back from that. I'm not saying there's no coming back from accidentally... Okay, non-accidentally hitting, there's no back coming back. Accidentally hitting and, like, the apology better be way better than what Miguel delivers. Do you yeah. know? So, yeah. And also, it's just, like... Miguel, like, Miguel's drunken hissy fit probably is just enough to be like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Yeah. And I love Miguel, but come on. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Going back to the other teens, um, so Sam's ex-friend Moon and Yasmin and Kyler roll into this canyon party. FYI, this is Kyler's last appearance on the show. We keep saying that, but we don't know what season three could hold, guys. That's true. That's true. Um, But they they roll up. They see all the Cobra Kais have uh, commandeered the beach. And Kyler is pretty over it. He's permanently afraid of Miguel. I know. It's like, uh, you know, Yasmin's like, clear him out, Kyler. And then Kyler steps up, ready to be the Asian bully of yore. But then he sees Miguel and is like, nah, I don't think so. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, And he and his unnamed, white, curly-haired sidekick just get back in the Land Rover and dash away. 
Meanwhile, Yasmin and Moon are on the beach. Moon, who's not a bad sort, I suppose, immediately just kind of like... Moon is just a dippy free spirit and will go where the wind takes her. And the wind wind takes her to Hawk. Um, And within moments, they're making out by by a campfire. Um, Again, how lacking was our high school experience? No canyon parties. None. Not a single canyon party. Oh, man. I I mean, maybe we just weren't invited. Do you think that's true? I can't imagine a single goddamn person from our high school having a canyon party. They were probably all having canyon parties and not telling us about it. Where them. were the canyons in Cupertino? You just revealed our own. Oh, no! <laughs> I Cupertino, California. Look it up, folks. That's why we have so many super accurate observations about what reads as California tell you about and what Google doesn't. parking lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I will say this. Canyons in California is at least accurate, unlike those maple tree-lined autumnal scenes of of Miyagi's graveyards. Um, Anyway, uh, the other big thing that happens with the kids is that Yasmin and Aisha have their showdown. Um, And, you know, Yasmin Yasmin's it up and calls Aisha an ugly bitch or something like that, as one does, I suppose, to... Whereas Moon has buried the hatchet and has apologized. Yeah, I kind of like Moon in the sense that, like, unlike Samantha, who just kind of goes through life thinking there's nothing she actually needs to apologize for, like, Moon's just like, yeah, really sorry about that, let's move on. Um, But anyways, uh, Aisha kind of turns dark Aisha in this episode. I have always maintained she was dark Aisha. I did not think she was until her way of getting back at Yasmin is to give her, like, the spectacular spectacularly painful looking wedgie. Is there a non-painful wedgie? I mean... But it's really like, it's really weird actually like she just takes hold of Yasmin's thong somehow and yanks it up so high that like Yasmin's like yanked off I'm just wondering like how this came about in the writer's room. Right. She could throw a drink in her face, she could shove her to the ground. Quite honestly, She could debut any of her karate moves. That is not a Cobra Kai move. No, that's just weird. Out of the book. And honestly like what dojo is that from? Right. I was just like, just punch her in the face. Let her have yeah, some dignity. there's some honor in that. There's shit. some honor in that. There's no honor in the super wedgie. And then like... It's a power wedgie. And once she does it, everybody around kind of cheers and laughs. And I'm like, if I saw that happen, I would not cheer or laugh. I'd be like, Jesus, that girl's vagina. My God. I know. I, I, I mean, you could count on Hawk laughing, but everyone else... Yeah, it would just be like, this is discomforting Actually, for I'm everyone. not sure. What was Dimitri's reaction? Dimitri had one. Regular seven. What would Dimitri do? Right? <laughs> what would Dimitri do? Um, Dimitri does, like, make a spectacularly unsuccessful pass at Yasmin pre-wedgie, so... That's true. You know, maybe... I don't even think Dimitri in Cell Extraordinaire would be satisfied to see this. It's just like, ugh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, Yasmin runs off, and you start thinking about when she's going to get her sequel. Uh, when is she going to have her side of the story told in her own spin-off of yeah. this of this oh, franchise? God. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, oh, we've got our favorite plot line, of course, which is oh, yeah. leaving the best for last. When Johnny and Daniel go pick up that new car, they have a chance, as the IMD synopsis says, to go down memory lane as well. The lane they're always on. They're pretty much always on that lane. Yeah. It takes very, very little for either of these two men to start flashing back to the past. That's true. And... This is just a perfect storm. Like, they're in the parking lot. Um, Johnny chooses a a Dodge Charger. Already, like, a very nostalgic car. They go for a test ride together. They start listening to REO Speedwagon, which is is cute, actually. It is so cute. Yeah. And then 
Because they're just, like I said, you said, it they're It takes always... like a, a 30 seconds into the song and Daniel's like, pull over. That's my old apartment building. I gotta go see it. And as you mentioned the last time we reviewed this episode, I don't feel like it's the first time he stopped by his old apartment building in like 20 years. I think he goes on the regular. I, think I really just... wish Amanda had been stuck in the backseat to like shit talk them. Right. It's like, are we stopping at the South Seas apartment complex again? Do you want to cry tears over it, the waterless the pool time this again? Week. Yes. Man, I like Amanda. I, I know her role of the voice of reason is kind of thankless for a female character, but she does it with panache. Yeah. Um, but anyways, they stop by there. While they, she's at home crunching numbers yeah. about their car dealership reports. It's like, oh, daddy has his nostalgia hour. Yeah, Excuse he's going me. going on his joyride with his so, little karate rival. Right. And so they're, they're there. They uh, reminisce about their fathers. It really and happens. And the part of reminiscing is just like, they don't even have to be drunk to do it. They're no. just like, they open the gate to the apartment complex and all of a sudden Johnny is like letting down his guard and he's just like, hey, I had a shitty stepfather. Right. And I mean, Ralph's it, it, like, I had no father. And then they're like, let's go to a, well, okay, specifically Johnny's like, let's go to a bar and Daniel makes noises about it being the middle of the afternoon. You know what it feels like? What? It feels like an old school rom-com. Yeah, it does. Like, I don't want to like you, but I do. I and do. then each one finds excuses to like extend the evening a little right? bit. Right? Because then they're in the bar and like Daniel's acting like, oh, let's just get this over with. I just want my, my club soda, thanks. But there's no fire behind it. No, because before you know it, they're, they're talking about their dead dads. They're talking about how they both have surrogate karate fathers. Daniel's ordering a martini kettle, straight up, two olives, ice, ice, ice cold. cold. Baby. Man. What a douche. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and they're just, they're just, yeah, you're right. It is like a rom-com. They're just really in it together. They're reminiscing. The ghost of Allie comes up. Oh, man. So, Allie, a.k.a. Helen of Troy, a.k.a. the girl they never got over, um, because Daniel is a little bit more plugged into the internet technology, um, he's like... He knows her full name, Allie Mills Schwarber. She's a pediatric surgeon. And she is married, married now. And, like, he knows this because he has stalked her a bit on Facebook. They're not they Facebook friends, though. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, Johnny has never heard of, of Facebook. It's, What's a Facebook, What's he a says. Facebook? Um, did you find that realistic? That I he... did. I did. Um, I mean, was this in a... It was one of the episodes where he, like brings his computer in to get service. That's next season, yeah. Oh, He's very okay. confused about how to turn it on, and I'm kind of like... Amanda doesn't know how to turn on a computer. He's not going to know. Well, he does know about the internet, but... It seems very strange to me that he wouldn't have, like, heard of the Facebook somewhere, you know? Then but... again, hey, initially you needed a .edu address to have Facebook. That was Facebook. like a million years ago. Yeah, like... but you know, he probably was like, oh yeah, Facebook, that thing. Come on now. Right, fine. He's not even watching regular TV. He's watching VHS cassettes. But old where movies. is this man getting his porn? Well, that was also in season two. He was like discovered porn. No, oh, that's that's true. He that's did discover true. internet. Porn he had like eighty great things like, happen in disgusting, well loved magazines from the eighties. Oh, that's true. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. He really. I mean. It's not just Cobra Kai that improved his life. A lot of things really, I mean, like, happened I'm for him. I'm sure the TL, like, yeah, TLC probably has, like, like one of their many hoarder iterations. But they, they dedicated so much reality TV programming to, like, I don't know, just general people that have, like, shut the door on the outside world and live in their own reality. Uh, whether that's a reality full of, like, 
and clutter or so just like you 70s decadence just like you Johnny's reality is 1984 oh please yeah I went there you would have never known about this show if it weren't for me well yes because your reality is 1984 so of course you knew about this show so I'm Johnny shut up no you don't get to be Johnny I am Johnny guys (sighs) I told you that's who I identify as you're (laughs) you're the rich jerk that's trying to run me out of town Johnny was the rich jerk yeah, but but Daniel's the rich jerk in this. Yeah, that's true. They really the, the show really drives it home every time it pans over his house. Well, yeah, know? it's the not classical music, that. the espresso machine. Right. It's like I, I actually love that those little touches that the show does to be like, yeah, come on, this it's guy, beautiful home with his kettle martinis and such. You know what? You know what, Nina? You know how we drank Coors to celebrate uh, recording like A episode whole nine one last week, week ago. I think to record episode ten, we should celebrate with kettle one martinis. Where are we gonna find that? Yeah, there are classy places in DC. Come on, we can do are this. There? We'll find them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Johnny talks about why he joined Cobra Kai, and they talk about Crease a little bit, and they're just full on bonding, right? Because you see, both of these men had karate fathers, and also, also, unbeknownst to both of them, they both have karate sons. That's true. Yeah. And of course. Um, it comes to the great reveal towards the end of the episode. They basically it's nighttime. So they've like spent eight hours together. They spent at, at least eight hours together, and they they're like pulling again, in. like a really great date. Right, it keeps going. You just keep coming up with an excuse to extend Actually, the time. And Daniel what? brought him back home. Yeah, I mean for oh yeah, I, I mean, mean why actually, did he drop him off? Yeah, wait, why does he? I don't, make know, any sense. I don't know why Daniel Daniel him brings home. him back to Casa LaRusso. They're getting out of the car. They're in the driveway. Johnny's talking about how they need to have a rematch. Kind of like uh, Ooh, Apollo he's take and him to Rocky the did. Take him to the... Ew! <laughs> Are you the one who made the innuendo? I'm sorry. I think it's a more convincing romance than Amanda and Daniel who... I don't know. You think Amanda's too good for him, don't you? She is too good for him and they have more like a... Not to be creepy, but like a... Mother, son? No. I mean, like, she's just like, no. Daniel, don't you want to have breakfast instead of fighting? Oh, like, no. Like, it's just a little... See, the thing is, now, I don't mind the Amanda-Daniel marriage. I'm not trying to break them up actively, Nina. But, like, I think that they have this thing where, like, Daniel's clearly a madman, and Amanda, instead of being, like, the nagging straight man, she's just sort of like... I'm just going to shit-talk this loser for the rest of my life, and it'll be okay. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with their relationship. That's fine. Amanda has learned to deal with her husband being that's her husband at, by just kind this, of, like, detaching. Like, all right, whatever. That's because at this moment in time, uh, Daniel's shenanigans are pretty low stakes. So he blows off the entire afternoon instead of working to, like... <laughs> chill out with the guy that he was going to beat bloody, like, a right. few hours ago. And man is just like, yeah, yeah, that's about what I expected. But I, you know. But uh, when they come in through the door, um, who should greet them? Not Amanda. No. Robbie. Because Robbie. Robbie has just been, like... He's always there, man. He's always there. Well, I guess, fine, he took Sam home, right? But, like, he's still just hanging out there. Like, yeah. Does he sleep there? I don't understand. I mean, I think he's angling for a permanent invitation. Right, and Russo. Daniel Russo is, is obviously his karate father. You know this because as soon as... It's nice that not a lot needs to be said when, like, basically when Daniel, Robbie, and Johnny are all in the same room finally, it's kind of like... 
pretty obvious what has happened. You know, Daniel's like, oh, you don't know this, but I have a student of my own. Uh, Johnny reacts by shoving Daniel into a wall, and Robbie steps up and says, Dad, you'll have to go through me first. Oh my god, another fresh insight, guys. What, 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 what? Uh, I noticed that Johnny reacts much the same way Miguel does. Miguel sees Robbie and Samantha, and he jumps to conclusions, and he, he strikes first. Yeah. He doesn't ask. He doesn't wait around for any explanations. And Johnny doesn't care. All he's, He just sees red and he shoves Daniel against the wall. So it is very Cobra Kai. It is very Cobra Kai. And I'm like, I'm not really sure what my reaction would be if I came in and saw my estranged son I think hanging out with my hated rival, aka you. And <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Like, because I just feel like, what? How do you know this guy? I feel really this bad for Robbie because... Robbie's clearly so much more invested in this karate relationship than Daniel. Oh. Daniel just sees Robbie as like, eh. Oh, well, I mean, no, no, because Daniel clearly hates his own blood son. I think he's quite fond of Robbie because he hates Anthony LaRusso so much. Yeah, Anthony he's so actually quick to toss him out. Well, because he he's... bans him from the dealership, he bans him from the home. Well, because he thinks, look, I mean, I think Daniel's reaction is pretty defensible in that it's just like, it's crazy that this guy that he has apprenticed and actually, you know, invested a lot of time into and who he thinks is like this fatherless naif, like to suddenly discover that like, oh wait, your dad is my, my childhood karate enemy. You're clearly playing some kind of bizarre prank. And it's true. Like Robbie, it's not like Robbie was like, oh, what a coincidence. I'm working for Daniel LaRusso. Robbie went after Daniel LaRusso in order to piss off his dad. I think Daniel senses that there's some like weird scheme afoot and I don't blame him at all for kicking Robbie out. I'm I'm on team Daniel here. You're on team Robbie here. I'm on team Johnny because I am Johnny. Really? Didn't sound I'm on like my own side. That's fair. That's what Johnny <laughs> would say. I mean, I know that Robbie's just a kid and he's very invested in his new karate father, but like also yeah, and I This is I what just... happens when all your lies come home to roost, Nina. Also I feel like Johnny wouldn't have had such a strong emotional reaction because he hasn't had time to bond with Robbie. He doesn't really keep up with Robbie. No, he wants to, though. Like, Does he, though? Yes, from the get-go, from the beginning of the season. You see the listeners, the letter. Was that letter mailed? Was that letter finished? No, because his car was set on fire. It's been a day, Nina. He was writing a letter. Louis LaRusso set his car on fire. He got distracted. It's, he has had no time. He had eight hours of he tooling was... around a bar and seeing an old apartment complex with Daniel. Well, he would literally do anything else and finish that letter. Oh my He's God. like, time to start working on next year's tax returns. <laughs> I think that he desperately wanted to finish that letter, but he was essentially shanghaied by one Daniel LaRusso. You will not convince me of this. I think that he... Look, he's not a good father, obviously, because he was a dead You know what? The heart he's trying to be better. What the heart wants... I can't believe I'm quoting Woody Allen on this. But he does not want to be Robbie's father. Oh, that's not true. He knows it was a cruel twist of fate. Okay, no, now you're just describing the relationship between Daniel LaRusso and Anthony DeLaRusso. I mean, Another twist of fate. It's about their lives mirroring each other. Whoa. Right. I mean, by the way... Neither of them likes their birth sons. <laughs> okay, clearly Johnny wants to be... Like, he wanted... 
he wanted his son to come live with him. He wanted to bond with him. But basically, he was told over and over again, not incorrectly, that he hadn't been there in the beginning. And it was kind of too late to suddenly just step in and be an instant father now. I don't blame Robbie or Robbie's mom for telling him that. But I do think that Johnny wants to have that relationship. Okay. And it eats him up to see that Daniel has that relationship. Okay. Counterpoint. Okay. I will say that Johnny as a character is very duty bound and so he feels like he needs to make the effort so he goes through the motions. I don't think he's a very duty bound character. But the new Johnny, as he's rising like a phoenix and trying to reinvent himself, he realizes that what a new Johnny would do is try to have a relationship with the son, but his heart isn't in it. I don't I don't think so. Think back to the episode where he was like at that front door and we didn't know whose door he was at, and he was actually trying to get Miguel back as a but student. That... He fought for Miguel. No, that way that he never like, fights for Robbie. In that particular episode, you could see he was doing all these things, like he was tracking down Robbie's mom and stuff like that in an attempt to like get close to Robbie. He was told again by several characters that like you don't get a second chance, there are no second chances. And then at the end of the episode you see him knocking on Miguel's door to get him back as a student. And I think that is exactly because he wants a second chance with Robbie. He's been told that he that it's not possible, and so he's like taking a first chance with Miguel. That is what I think happened, and I, I just, I think that he would really like this relationship, but he just doesn't think it's possible, and it, it's very, not undeserved, because again, he was a deadbeat. He may want the relationships, but the actual son, like Robbie as a person oh versus my God. Miguel as a person. Well, yeah, you, you can't, you're basically just putting it down to who's better as a person, Robbie or Miguel, and it's Miguel, fine. My God, just look at Robbie's hair. I know, I wouldn't want him as a son either. <laughs> I just want to get after him with a pair of I mean, scissors. personally, I, I think Robbie was right to sort of like glimpse... Oh, another parallel. Robbie sees his dad giving a gi to Miguel. Miguel sees Robbie and Sam. It's all about appearances, but they belie greater truths, Right. Because Sam is kind of flaky and kind of showing And interest. kind of into yeah, Robbie. Yeah, kind of into Robbie. And yeah, no, I see that. I'm like, You're I, not totally wrong to suspect what they suspect. True. And Sam was kind of hiding their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I did give like uh, Robbie a lot of shit for like basically Everything. thinking, oh, well, yeah. But basically there's a moment where it seems like he really wants to like, you know, get close to his dad and then he sees his dad from afar giving a gi and, like, a one-armed man hug to Miguel, and he's just, like, filled with fury. And that's when he joins LaRusso Auto Dealership, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, you assumed a lot of things from that one, like, half-glimpsed interaction. Everybody does on the show, actually. Sometimes a one-armed hug can give you all the information you well, need. Well, yeah, but he's, he's not wrong in that his father does have a new surrogate yeah. son. And, like, you know, when Johnny shoves Daniel, like, immediately... He's not wrong in that his like his son has developed a, a parental relationship with Daniel Russo. Everybody actually cottons on to things pretty quickly. Yeah. These aren't really misunderstandings. That's, yeah. that's interesting, actually, now that you put it that way. I'd say he shoves Daniel because he's angry he doesn't feel more. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I want to remind you, listeners, if you've been listening all this way... That Dina also thought that who sprayed the dick on the billboard was a mystery that mystery remains unsolved guys, to this day. You know what? We live in an era of fake news. Don't let this be swept under the rug by big spray paint. Johnny admitted that he drew the dick. Sure, you can, you can, you can coerce confessions in these days. Right. Okay. Thank you for the lone gunman theory of of who sprayed the dick. Anytime. But 
Anyway, what, what, what was our point? I don't know. Um, wow. Um, our point may be that we should wrap up this episode. Um, Anthony Watch. One last uh, thing. Yes. There's quite a bit of Anthony in this episode. And listeners, I'd just like to give you a treat of a little bit of an interaction. It is, yes, the first time that Johnny Lawrence and Anthony LaRusso have ever met. You're lucky my dad didn't kill you. Yeah. You're lucky I didn't kill him. I'm going to tell him you said that. Good. I want him to know. You guys got any ketchup? Yeah. Get it yourself. Douchebag. Dick. This is hopefully not the last time they interact because even those few seconds were gold. Right. Um, Also, can I say, Anthony, in his, like, two-minute scene, they noted that he bought a drone on Amazon... Yeah, no. He, they're gearing up to make him like some sort of supervillain, I'm sure. Right. Also, I mean, we always say that like Anthony does not get a love from his family, and that's true. But there is quite a bit of Anthony in this episode, and yes, Anthony is the worst. So, it's which true. which kind of comic book villain do you see Anthony as? I think that he is Doctor Octopus from Spider. Oh my god. Okay, so that was not that was my first guess. My second guess would be Bane. Bane. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Because if you think about him, I think we've said Anthony and Dimitri are all like developing incels. Bane's not an incel, is he? I mean, come on. What are you talking about? Bane's like a super powered, droided up philosopher kid. Yeah, I can see that too. All right, well, you know, I can't really argue with you there. Maybe that's a good, yeah, that might be a good Twitter poll. Which supervillain is Anthony Anthony, I mean, If you're one of the six people who follows us on Twitter, please let us know what you think. Um, or write to us with your fan theories. We love that. Please. We'd like to open up the Cobra Kai mailbag again soon. So please, you can email us at Cobra Kai cast. Cobra Kai never dies cast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Kai underscore cast. I may or may not get better at using paint shop or whatever. Um, but yes, please write to us. Please tweet at us. Um, love that you're ranking for this week. Well, you know I love this episode, especially the uh, John, Johnny Daniel moments. Um, so I'm going to give it five kettle martinis straight up to olives, ice, ice cold. You were prepared. Um, I said I'm giving it three out of five erotic ARIO Speedwagon bonding sessions. Wow. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right. Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy.